0: Everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Woman Talk Tech. Today I'm joined by Elena, VC at Auxo, a female catalyst fund that backs female co-founded startups in Europe. Elena shares her insights on what a VC case is, I'm sure it's a term many of us have heard of, and what founders should consider when trying to put together a VC case. Elena and I also discuss the pros and cons of VC founding and various myths around VCs. With Elena's expertise at Auxo, it would also be criminal not to discuss the general funding gap and what Auxo are doing to break the barriers of overlooked founders. Such a great conversation even I learned a hell of a lot from. So Elena, tell me a little bit more about yourself.
1: Yeah, super nice to be here. Really excited to have this conversation. Yeah, my name is Alina. I am working for AUXO, which is a VC fund focusing on investing into female founders. So, we really try to bridge this female founder funding gap. And um, I personally grew up in Berlin. I have a super creative family. I was basically the odd one out not being a creative artist or actress or something. And um, so, I studied business and uh, did a finance master in Lisbon and then started working a bit in consulting first focusing more on like the older industries and restructuring and then went into the M&A direction to focus on tech companies and then also joined the early stage startup before coming to Auxo. So kind of seen a bit of the different table seats around the table, let's say it like this. <laughs> and I'm super, super happy to be where I am right now and also to have this conversation talking about women in tech and also
0: female founders in general. Amazing, amazing. Uh, and I guess you know before we kind of get into the overall topic of DNI, what does it mean to you, very briefly, and, and why do you think that it's an important topic?
1: I think it's a hugely important topic in all different areas of our society and in life in general. And for me, it really means embracing and also celebrating differences. And for me, it also means equality for all, like these different dimensions of diversity. Right? It's not just gender or it's where we come from, but it's also diversity in thought and background and so on and I think it's for me opportunity and talent and like really all these different aspects are spread so wide and it's really spread equally but opportunity oftentimes is not and that's what we also try to get to to really get everyone together and really bring opportunity to people that might might not really have the networks or so on so I really think it's so important to get diversity into ve- a lot of different aspects because it's just different opinions thoughts and uh, i really would love if uh, there's a more equal um, society in general because i mean we're split 50 50 for example if we look at gender and then if you look at different areas um for example the founding um, ecosystem or the tech ecosystem in general it's not really that equal yeah. and i would just love it for it to be a bit more um, yeah diverse in terms of all different dimensions.
0: Yeah, yeah. You mentioned a really good point there. And I think it is really key about opportunities. It's not just about gender, race, and you know, all of that. It's about just giving people equal opportunities. You know, people who don't have that network to kind of get them, you know, being able to. Exactly. And I mean it's quite crazy to look at it if we see, like I think it's
1: really nice study from the German setup association. They publish a female founders monitor every now and then and uh, there they highlight that only like 20% of the startup founders are women and we all know this but then yeah. also looking at how the the like split is going from the population to then being 20% of startup founders being women and then give, going even further to the receive volume that's going to female founders I mean it's I think to female only teams it's only like 1% of receive
0: volume going there and it's quite mm. quite shocking <laughs> yeah yeah the numbers are really low and I think what we'll get into it in the podcast but yeah the numbers are really low when it comes to kind of female-led and, and kind of all female companies um they just don't get the funding they really deserve yeah and
1: i think it's it's also quite nice to see um not just looking at female only teams but mixed teams right like bringing this diversity also in the founding team going back to the dni i think it's so important because also across our portfolio we see that if you take the headcount of all of our founders it's nearly split 50 50 so even like while focusing on female founders in the end
0: it, it equals out and that's uh, quite quite astonishing yeah, yeah, and you know, I would love to kind of get into the topic of a VC case. Uh, I hear the term all the time, and I'm like, what? I mean, I know what it means, but I would love to know, like, from someone in the space, what the hell does that actually mean? So, before we even get into the topic in in more general terms, what does the term of bc case mean, especially in the tech ecosystem? Yeah, I think it's super
1: important to know that there's many different types of funding, right? I mean, VC funding is not the only case, and I think. Over the past, people have just seen all these funding rounds and like this kind of world we live in where you really romanticize this founding journey and getting VC money in any case. But I think it's really important to note that there's different types of funding, like also accelerators, government grants, business angels, like family, friends, loans, all of this stuff or bootstrapping your company, for example. But talking about this VC case and what it actually means. I think there's different aspects that you need to basically put on the table to understand this. So first of all, like how does a VC work? Like you need to understand how VCs make money, so to say, so it's it's also a company itself. We fundraise from our investors and we of course try to give back returns to our investors as well. So
0: yeah. I think this
1: is a really important point to really understand this fund structure behind a VC. Um, so really understanding that we are really trying to find those outliers those really, really, really good companies that one off. And by looking at all those companies, you need to also understand for a second point that there's like this power law, right? It's venture capital is a high risk, high return as a class. So it means that there's going to be so many companies that we invest in that unfortunately fail, but that's just the nature of it. So we really by having a lot of them that also fail, we need to try to find one that's outperforming the rest. So this brings me to this like VC case and how we assess it as well because we tr- need to see a billion-dollar company in the company that we speak to and we need to also see yeah. a founder that wants to build this billion-dollar company and the market that's there to, to allow for it to grow into a billion-dollar company. And I think not everyone has to build a VC case. Like it's It's not the only desired type of thing and I think it's also not the right type for all companies I mean you want and this is also talking about this fund structure again we invest over a period of oftentimes two to five years and then we have another five years to divest so it means like the fund is more or less running for 10 years and in those 10 years from investing to giving getting like the exit or getting the returns it's Quite the short amount of time, if you think about it, that there's family run business that run over a really long time. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You need to realize that you really build a company that's looking to scale exponentially and you hire people and you need to try try go for the next funding round and keep going. So it's really also a type of mindset you need to have. And of course, also a market that has to be there to allow for, for this company to grow and get market
0: share. Yeah, it's quite interesting because like you said, right, you know, you think about a a time period of 10 years compared to like, you know, a family business that's been running for thousands of years. You know, it is a really short amount of time to be able to get, you know, the returns, which I'm guessing you're looking for as an investor.
1: Exactly. And I think this is also why investors, right, some of our investors, so our limited partners, they also did angel investments, but at one point they're like, okay, this is really like exhausting looking at these companies, like assessing them and investing into them. And so their way of like also being engaged with the ecosystem is like basically giving us this money that we as a fund manage. And yeah. they also trust us with picking the companies that hopefully will get the returns, right? And I think this is also why it's it's so important to also know that as a founder, that it's not sometimes personally about you if we say it's it's not a VC fundable case, but it's just the dynamics of the fund and that you need to really look out for and that you need to understand. So I think when you present to a VC and you want to have this VC funding and you thought about where do you see yourself on five years and 10 years with the company and how big is this vision that you really speak about it as well and that you speak about this market and that you really make clear of how you want to get to this big company because especially female founders, um, it's also in the German Startup Association report, they don't have the highest exit ambitions. And I think this is also because we try to be humble, not trying to generalize, but I think this is like the overall outcome there that we don't want to, like as females, we don't want to really oversell. So I've seen it a lot with female founders when they present, they rather try to say something that they know they can achieve. Yeah. But as a VC model, you need to think really big, right? (laughs) Because you you can present that you might be like the next unicorn. So I think this is also what kind of sometimes comes in play with uh, female founders that I see here. And I think it's also not a generally bad thing. I think it's overselling is not that good, but really underselling is also not that good. So I would love if we meet a bit more in the middle and uh, present a vision and that you can show realistically how you might get to that vision. I think that would be a really good way to approach it.
0: Yeah it's interesting because I actually went to a talk uh, in the week and yeah it spoke exactly about what you said it said not it said but they were speaking about um, why men build businesses for the exit strategy to kind of you know get the big buck at the end and women tend to build businesses for problems which they have themselves or you know issues they want to solve etc and these kind of business models tend not to be cases where you know you might become a, a trillionaire or whatever the case may be it's, it's really for a problem which you're going through yourself um so yeah it's really interesting that you've also found that to be the case in female founders
1: yes and i think it's it's really nice also to to hear when people found because they've experienced this problem themselves or so they have like see some impact in, in building a company in this field and i think you can also probably become a really good entrepreneur. There have been cases of that if you just found for founding a company and you really go with where the market goes. Yeah. But I also personally think that female founders oftentimes they found in topics that they see themselves relate to and, and be yeah. able to create an impact and so on. And, I mean, we all don't have to be the same. And I think it's really nice to embracing those differences as well and maybe taking strength that come with that that part of, like not trying to oversell and maybe not um, just looking for the return or the exit. Um, But I think that's something you need need to think about before um, approaching VCs. How do you see yourself and the company developing? And as I mentioned before, just really presenting also that market size, right? And, And seeing how you can scale there
0: and so on yeah yeah definitely and as a founder you know if I was to think about founding a tech company uh, yeah. what would I need to consider to ensure it is a VC case what are the things which you in your opinion and in your experience would you think are really important
1: so for me when I think about what a VC case is what I just mentioned before and when I look into a pitch deck I really look into also the founder's experience before like if, if they've been in fast-paced environments and this always sounds a bit like so like pushy and pushing for performance but I think founding a company especially like a VC back company is really really a marathon and I have my biggest respect for all of those founders going for it and we have sessions where we focus on mental health and founder well-being with our portfolio a lot because it is just so much about being basically an athlete for these in this specific area (laughs) I think it's quite tough when you raise a round of funding and you need to hire people to scale. And then you have your next round of, run, round of funding. And if you do not grow exactly into to the perceived um, like growth and valuation and so on, it might get tough. And you might not get the funding that you would require right now to grow at that same speed. So you might need to scale down in size of um, the team and so on. And so you need to let go of people. And I think it's this immense pressure also on founders of working really a lot, of really keeping this team going. And I think that's something that you need to think about before and that we kind of look in founders for in like being resilient and being really like pushing through when it gets hard and not stopping when it gets hard. And that's something you can see also a bit about the background. I'm um, not saying that great kind of founders can't come straight from university, but um, I think it's something that we try to look at. So really like, yeah, founder background, the resilience they have and the grit and also the ability to look after themselves. I think it's really important that we know that the founders take time for themselves to look after their mental and physical well-being. And we try to really give room for this as well in investor calls and shareholder calls. Because if we don't stand for that, um, then it's, it's not that common in the industry yet to talk about these topics. And I think it's really important to break this taboo as well. Um, And then also as another point, I think it's really important, as I said before, already to look at the market size, really like mapping out how big is the market in general? How can I get significant market share? And what is my business model? So really making sure you put out a financial model that realistically puts you into like a million dollar revenue company rather sooner than later, so to say. And having that, I think it's always really important when I look at it, having that laid out with assumptions that make sense. So really that you understand the founders have thought about the market, they've thought about their business model, and they really thought about how you can get step-by-step step to acquiring these customers, for example, and that they've just thought about different ways and yeah. it affected, Yeah.
0: Yeah, because you're right, you know, you, I, I tend to, well, I don't forget, but you tend to forget a VC is also a company they need to also make money. They need to also, you know, to pay their bills, et cetera. So it's not just they have all this money to kind of give for free and, and kind of not get any returns. So it is all, not all, but it is about also getting and seeing where your money's going and what investment you're going to get back from that.
1: Yeah, and I think also it's important, like, because f- Business angels, for example, they look at a company and they don't have the fees to pay and they don't have like, it's not, it's their own money. It's not external money. So they don't have the pressure of having to return it and give it back to someone. So they invest their own money. So they just look at it a bit different. I think if I would invest as an angel, I might have invested in some companies that I, we didn't invest in as a fund because I just really liked the founder and I really trusted them to build a business, but maybe not in the next 10 years, but in yeah. <laughs> some more time or something. And I think that's just important to know also at what time business angels might be right, at what time it might be right to get some family friends in or like some accelerators to go through and then at what time to, to basically get some VC funding in.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess that kind of leads on to my next question. You know, when do you think is the right time to go for VC funding? um from what you've seen um I don't want, I don't want anyone to be like yeah this is what Elena said and we must go now <laughs> but yeah from your oh, experience yeah um no I think it's it's as you said it's quite hard
1: to to generalize but I think in general I really like when founders don't just go out to VCs just because they want to go to VCs, but if they've really thought about it and you see that there's like a basically like a red line going through the past yeah. and what they want to do in the future so i think at the start it's always really good also to get angels on board either you get angels and vcs and at the same time i i see that a lot happening as well but what i personally think is quite good for you to get some time as a founder and to really think about market validate your value proposition talk to potential customers talk to other companies maybe that have failed and so on to just buy you a bit of time if you maybe don't have these personal savings yeah. it's good to get angels in before so you're a bit more ready because talking to VCs I, th- I think oftentimes it's a lot about the first impression and what you what you present and where you are and of course you can pivot and approach the VC again that that can totally happen but I think it's always better to make sure you're ready basically to present somehow what you want to build. And it doesn't have to be that you've got customers already or so on, but really showing where you want to go and what your business idea is that you've validated it with customers that we've had interviews and so on. And then of course there's a difference between pre-seed and seed, right? And there's there's companies that get, VC money in like at the same time with angels, as I said, so as a pre-seed round, or they do an angel round before, but I think like just in case of either of those those two cases, it's it's good to have an idea of what where you want to get started once you have that money, right? So you yeah, be yeah. to hire people, be ready to then get the sales machine going. So really knowing like, okay, basically you just you've done everything you can do without the money, and now you need this money to really scale. So being at that point where you've prepared enough, and you're just basically waiting for this go sign
0: to, to start running this marathon. <laughs> yeah, I always think of it as like, you know, literally like on the start line, like ready to go. But like, you're just not, you don't have the push just yet. And you just kind of need an extra, extra bit of funding, right, to kind of get things moving. Exactly. And I think what is really
1: good, though, is not to start speaking to VCs when you need the funding, but start speaking to them when you're a bit earlier, because we yeah. as investors really like to build those relationships early on. So really talking to them when they're still like, they have the idea, but they're still thinking about something. So as an, as an early stage investor, at least. um, And then really try and help them and maybe help them get an angel investor on board. So you can already prove your value at if it's, it's a founder you really like and you get to know each other, right? Because it's going to be such a long ride. You're going yeah. to be married in a way. It's five to 10 years or more. Yeah. Um, and I think this way it's it's really important to, get those contacts going early on and um, then tell them, oh, we think about raising sometime soon, maybe having a newsletter or something like that to keep the investors that are lined up, um, like informed. But because, or like at least saying like this way of getting to VCs only when you need it is going to make it a bit tough because you have a shorter amount of time. You're on the, and there's this saying, I don't know who said it, but like ask for advice if you need money and ask for money if you need advice or something like this and then way around you can say like yeah really try to to speak to the investors early on if you know you're building a VC case and you know you want funding at some point and
0: then get them excited and waiting for you (laughs) when you're ready to go yeah yeah because I've seen it so many times before where companies are literally at the brink of their last penny and then they're going for funding and it's like Firstly, now you're really struggling so that you're on so much pressure to kind of get it done. And also, is that a particular VC case whereby you are literally on your last penny? Are we now going to invest knowing that you've literally kind of nearly run yourself into the ground, you know?
1: Yes, and it's so much about planning, right? And also we tell our founders that have raised their pre-seed round, for example, with us really get those investors engaged and really try to have enough run- runway that if this first bunch of talking to investors is not going Going as you planned, you still have enough time to maybe go and talk to to some other investors or think about different ways of funding because you don't want to get into this this position where you feel like oh money's running out and I have all these people that I need to pay, payday is coming up and, yeah. and I have the stress and I think this is the worst and I really feel with all of the, the founders because I think this this like idea or this thought comes up a lot when you, where you have a lot of people that work for you and you want to build a great company. And you always need this new new round of funding to keep going. It's it's really important to plan ahead and, and especially in times now where money is not flowing super easily, to make sure you have enough runway to get to those also KPIs that investors will look yeah. for in the next round. So I think that's that's really, really important to consider and rather take a bit of a buffer in and when you raise for for a round and you plan with that money than
0: taking in too little yeah and founders wear so many hats right you know they may not be the that person that's from a a finance financial background where they are now thinking and crunching all these numbers they may be that creative person and now they're thinking oh my gosh we are literally down to our last penny but yeah no it's really interesting when you do kind of see the both sides of the spectrum and i guess from your side right there it seems to be like there are pros and cons of vc funding you know it's, it's the right time now for me to go for funding as a founder what are some of the pros that I should be really considering versus what are some of the cons, which I should also be thinking, do I need this VC funding now?
1: Yes, I think it's a, it's a it's really good, good question. I think being in the good tech ecosystem and being, being a VC founder, idealize like, glorify VC funding in a way sometimes. And I think it's also important as a VC to say, this is not for everyone and there's pros and cons to it. So what I would say, what, like starting with the bright side. <laughs> so yeah. what's really good, um, you will get support. I mean, not just like mentally and emotionally, but you really, depending on what we see you choose, you really get operational support as well. So someone helping you with hiring people, the right people, they have huge networks. So they will be able to get you people that suit for the roles that you're looking in a lot of the times. There's investors that really go in and do strategic workshops with you. There's investors that have like a strong network of industry experts and a lot of them do. So it's really like getting access to the network and also the knowledge of the investors. And it's just really this support system you have, not just from that one investor that invested, but all of this network as well. And I think this is really, really important. And you can always kind of ask someone and you oftentimes also get this Community with it, right? Especially for us, what we try to do is when we invest in a company, we have our portfolio and we try to connect our portfolio. We do a lot of events, so it's a bit of this, or we try at least to give this feeling of belonging to a community. So it's not like you do, don't do this by yourself, but you also have us going in with you. Um, so I really think it gives you more opportunities to also hire people because you have the money, right? You have you have more money to to hire excellent people. You have those investors that really also have gone through maybe um, topics that you, you're going through for the first time, especially if you look for investors that have been founders before. I think that's really good just to have a sparing partner and also investors that have seen seen a lot of companies go wrong and good, yeah. go 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 downhill. <laughs> I don't know. It's it, I mean, you can't say a company that has basically had to shut down is a bad company. I think there's so many factors influencing it. But at least in an investor, you've seen seen a lot of things, let's say, like that. You have access to their network, to their knowledge, to the past experience they have made. So I think all of this is really, really good. And I think it's also why venture capital has has the right to exist in a way, because we've seen so many big companies that have just gotten that big because they've got the VC funding. Um, But I think also to look on the other side, you always give away equity, right? You always give away yep. shares when you when you take Absolutely. an investor. So it means a bit of you losing control, basically you're losing the whole rights of the company, right? You don't have all of the shareholding anymore. So you have someone that also has a say in it. So it means that you have someone that might say, oh, I think this is not the right way to go. And if all of your shareholders say, no, this is not the right way to go, you better think about another way. Yeah. No, right, it's... I mean, it's always this like weighing it pros and cons. I think giving away control and ownership um can can also help you, of course, in a lot of ways, but it's definitely also something yeah that you need to think about. And I think especially if you want to grow like more like a smaller business and you want to keep it under a certain amount of like employees or something, it's not always the ideal way to go because you will also, VCs want to see that you grow. And um, I think it's it's, Really crucial to think about also what both the investors and the founders want, and if this is like aligned. And I think that's something that you should always consider. And I think there's probably a lot more pros and cons, but I think the most obvious also probably.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the, the topic about ownership is interesting, right? Because people who become founders, people who become you know want to become uh, entrepreneurs, they want that bit of independence which they didn't get from like the corporate world, say. So then to kind of go into VC funding and, and still somewhat not have full ownership could be a bit tricky for some
1: yes but i think it's also over time right and at the start we all we always try and i think a lot of investors try that founders still hold enough it's not just because they should have the full ownership of the company in a way in some sense they also need to be incentivized right why would you go through this whole marathon and like this this sleepless (laughs) nights and the good and the bad let's say like this. this is a bit of a roller coaster Um, if you don't hold the majority of the company in a way so um, especially in those early stages until you get to a series a b i think it's 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 really important that the founders hold more than the investors overall right like the founder team in general like holds at least 50 percent um until the series a that's always like more or less what we say i don't name you on the numbers i think it's always a bit bit dependent on the company and where they are at, and you can always restructure cap tables but I think it's just really important to to think about that as well, that you as a founder want to be incentivized and you still want to have ownership. And um, every time you take someone in, you should always consider, okay, what do they give me besides of that money, right? Because you can get money from a lot of different people, but you want something going in as well because you give them
0: a way of your like a part of your company as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And you know, the general funding gap, we spoke about it a bit in the beginning, right? Um it's a massive issue, let's be honest. Um like you mentioned, I think one percent of, of FEMA only companies get VC uh VC funding. And yeah, I think the numbers can get lower and lower as you kind of travel around the world, right? So it's crazy. I guess from your opinion, like why do you think this is the issue? Uh what do you think is the kind of root cause of this massive funding gap we have globally?
1: I think it's probably many things and I've studied this in my mind as well when I looked at uh, the funding gap and differences in founder background and also growth ambitions of founders and what what leads to this funding gap and even f- while accounting for those differences there's still a gap there right and this shows that it's biases it's, it's investors dis- decisions and all of that I mean it is a bit of a nature of things that VC investors will have biases because we flip through those stacks within two, three, four, five minutes, right? Yeah. We only have a short amount of time to, for the initial screening. And that way, of course, we as humans, we try to do pattern recognition. We're like, oh, we've seen this company before that they've worked at. I, I've known know five people from there that are really good. Then you, you will associate like something good with this company, right? And that way, I think it's really, really tough that you just put biases to those things in general. And then also, I think the founder and tech ecosystem has been so male dominated in the past, right? Like the big founders in the past have oftentimes been male founders. So those are the successful role models that you can see when a lot of the times when you ask someone who is a founder, then they speak about like male founders, right? those founders oftentimes then turn investors and those founders have male friends that they that also start a company because they've seen it go bad and then go good and then they've seen companies fail but the people going up again and starting a new company and I think having this role model is really important I think male founders have had that a lot more in the past than female founders and I think it's also important to see that I mean, we are a generation and the economy has been built a lot in the past by men. I mean, when I think about my grandmother, she didn't really have a paid paid job, but she was more at home and so on. So I think it's been like changing so much and we need time for the change to also take place. Yeah. But I also really think, and this is also where AUKSO basically came from a bit, that the similarity bias that we all have comes in a lot. So I mean, talking about these male founders being investors or having male like groups and so on and like these buddy groups. Our founding partners, they invested in, like they did angel investments to start off and they realized that they actually had a lot of female founders they invested in and they were like, oh, this is a bit of a bit funny. We have a lot of female founders. The whole ecosystem does not. This is like, yeah, like a nice thing to think about. And I think it's also something that I see. I mean, I have really close friends groups with male and females, but oftentimes you always have a bit of like a girls group as well. they safe yeah. space <laughs> to talk to and maybe um, also then talk to about ideas you have and i think this is also something where it comes from right like female investors i think also attract more female founders and there's not just a lack of female founders but also a lack of female investors and i think in the junior more of junior ecosystem of VC investors it's a bit more equal but if you look on partner level it's just different i think this- due to so many different aspects and I think um there's also a lot changing and I hope that that we will see a lot more female general partners as well like making those decisions because I think being a female founder you want to speak to someone that understands it right especially looking at the female health market I think this is why the female health market has been so underfunded for some time because male investors just had a bit of like <laughs> about it. yeah they don't <laughs> see it <laughs> is this like a big enough marketing like, of the population, of course it is. No, but um yeah it's it's I think this is also a bit of the way like right lack of female founders, lack of female investors, and then also especially for those female general partners having that power, right? Having that power to decide where the money goes and having a say in the investment committees like saying like no oh, I think this is a really good case. And then having basically an ally as a female founder that really votes for you, that really is like okay, no, I go all in, I push this through and I think that's why it needs needs a lot of different um angles and like not just founders but also investors. So I think it's it's a lot of different things, right? Uh, the the differences in female and male founders and therefore like understanding each other um and then also like this a lot of these biases coming in and the way that VCs make their decisions in general. This is also why we try to get more like this data driven approach. And I think a lot of VCs now try and and get get a bit of this bias out of those decisions by using data and really trying to to have those like new tools help us as well. Um, but I think it's it's quite tough. And I think it's it's going to change if we have a more diverse ecosystem in general, because then you see yourself and someone else, right? Having this role model that you see yourself has done something before that you maybe could do as well is really important.
0: Yeah, and I think it's like a bit of a cycle, like you said, right? You have not that many female founders fund you not you don't have that many female investors and when you think about the kind of typical situation where you are going for vc funding female founders are pitching against male investors which means if they are like we said at the beginning right if we are underselling ourselves or if we are not you know showing the extra strategy or all the things which investors look for then whether you're male or female you can't then see why you should invest but i think more so when you've got a male investor sitting there thinking where's my money coming back how long is it going to take what's the extra strategy like how much money am I going to make from this you know all of those factors which as women we may not think about as much we are I do think we are seeing a lot more like I said I went to a talk on Tuesday uh, and it was there was a lady there who um had uh, built an exit strategy she'd exit her company and she was like getting so many questions about how she did it what well you know what her struggles were um and yeah it was really interesting but yeah we just need more of that I think
1: Yes, and I think what's also really, really important to mention is that there's so many great male investors out there that want to put these female founders in. They're like, I want to support female founders. I really want to have this ecosystem to be more diverse. And then sometimes they're like, but I just don't see them because they will approach a female investor, right? So it's also about including everyone and getting... We, we It's not just going to be female founders against male founders. It's going to be everyone together. And I think if we have an ecosystem... And like, especially like we see a startup world, that's a bit more inclusive and where you can feel like, okay, I can approach the male investors and there's not going to be biases. And I don't feel yeah. like, yeah, this always this power dynamic, always a bit between female or not female, but in general, power dynamic between founders and investors, which can sometimes make conversations a bit harder. And um, because you as a founder might feel like, oh, you, I can't ask this question because I'll be evaluated based on this. And I think this makes it hard as well. But what I really want to do and I think what I really try to do and what we at AUXO also try to do is seeing these female founders really early on and then basically pulling them into the network and get, getting them in touch with other investors, oftentimes also male investors because I like to see this, those exchanges as well and it's so valuable, I think, having male and female investors in a cap table because this is, again, this diversity of thought and opinion yeah. and background. So diversifying the cap
0: tables It's also
1: important, not just diversifying uh, the founders. Yeah, yeah,
0: totally. And what advice would you give to female founders who are seeking funding, you know, going about their, you know, the the kind of struggles now? What advice would you give in light of all of what we said in the whole episode? uh, What would be your one piece of advice if you could give one? I
1: think it's really network, 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 because it's just how this world goes, right? You talk to one person and that person's going to be like, oh, have you already spoken to this person? And then this might get the, the ball rolling. And then this is also how I came to Auxo because I, I worked for found a founder couple that actually invested into the fund um, that, that introduced me to Auxo. And I think it's just sometimes life can change so much by just having this one dinner where someone suggests you to talk to someone. So try to network, try to go to all of these events, especially I, I'm in Berlin. So I know that there's a lot of events happening here and really try to take opportunity of those events and um, get yourself allies and like a crowd that you trust and that you can ask things with, with. And I think also a really good advice is if you do network, really ask that person like, Oh, who, who do you think are two people I should definitely speak to, like, who's the one that I should really go and speak to because A lot of the times everyone will have one or two people that will be relevant for this person. And I always try when I speak to founders, even if we don't invest, tell them like, oh, but you should go and speak to this person. Or I would love to connect you with one of our portfolio founders because they do a similar thing. And I think it's so like such a little thing for me to connect these two people. It's not that much. I mean... It will be if you do it on a high scale. But in general, it's like easy for me to connect those two people and it might bring so much value for them. So I think it's really, really nice if we have this community also of helping each other out and
0: pulling each other in. Yeah, and you're right, because the networking doesn't stop with that one person you speak with. It's not like I meet one person, that's it. You know, you could meet another person through that person and vice versa. Um so yeah, I definitely think networking is 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 key because unfortunately female founders don't have the network which the male founders may have. So it's all about getting yourself out there and really speaking with new people and learning from others.
1: Yes, exactly. And I think it's it's just key to unlocking so many different um opportunities and really opening one door that will open like 50
0: others so it's it's really 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 crucial I think and sometimes overlooked yeah definitely definitely well no Elena thank you so much for joining me I've really really learned a lot from the conversation myself Uh, and yeah thank you so much for sharing your insights and I'm sure everyone will find it so helpful
1: thank you so much for inviting me it was a real pleasure also a topic that's super close to my heart so always really happy to share insights and, and helping my founders out